Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Josh Smith Show. The Josh Smith Show is brought to you by Paragon Kilns. Paragon Kilns are some of the fastest heating and most accurate kilns in the world today. Uh, I, in my own custom knife-making business, and so many knife-makers that I know, use a Paragon Kiln uh, just to increase the accuracy and the consistency of which their knives are heat-treated. Check out the Paragon Kilns at paragonweb.com. Also brought to you by Montana Knife Company. Montana Knife Company knives are working knives for working people. All Montana Knife Company knives are 100% American-made, hand-finished, and hand-sharpened. We here at Montana Knife Company believe that manufacturing can be done here in the U.S., and that's where our knives are built. Check out MontanaKnifeCompany.com, and we are also on Instagram at Montana Knife Company as well as Facebook. Also brought to you by Maritime Knife Supply. Maritime Knife Supply is a place I buy my belts, uh, buy a lot of my sandpaper. They also sell steel, grinders, heat treat ovens, just about anything else you can imagine. Maritime Knife Supply is located in Canada, so even though it takes a little bit longer to ship your stuff down here, you can take advantage of the exchange rate, uh, which is actually a pretty good deal when you're putting in a fairly big order. Check out MaritimeKnifeSupply.com and at MaritimeKnifeSupply on Instagram and Facebook. Let's get to the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Josh Smith Show. Today, I've got one of my good friends, Francesca Ritchie, on. Francesca and her husband, Zach, own Teton Leather Company down in Idaho. Francesca's made quite a few sheaths for me. She's an incredible leather worker. Her ability to manipulate and dye different leathers, make them look uh, exactly how she wants them to look, is just an incredible talent. Francesca started out super young, as I did in the knife making. She, her dad, uh, Aaron Wilburn, is a master bladesmith in the American Bladesmith Society. And she started learning knife making from her dad at a young age, and then that, that transitioned into sheath making. And she's now become... I would consider her one of the best sheath makers and leather workers in the in the world today. Her husband Zach kind of runs their their side, kind of say like production side and whatnot, where he makes wallets and belts and all that kind of stuff. But it's I hesitate to say it's production because everything's custom, everything's handmade. If you check out their Instagram and their website, you're going to see the talent that they both have, and together they've incre- they've created an incredible company. Francesca is definitely an inspiration for young girls uh, and women around the country. Showing what you can do when you start at something young, you work hard, uh, you're good at marketing, and just have talent and 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 work ethic. So, I'm super excited to have Francesca. She's one of my good friends. Uh, my wife kind of compares her and I as if we're brother and sister. We, Francesca and I like to give each other shit. We go back and forth quite a bit. Um, but ultimately, I have a ton of respect for her and her ability. And it's not just, and we get into this a little bit towards the end of the podcast, it's not just about being a woman and making sheaths. She's one of the best sheath makers in the world. And then you throw on top of the fact that she's kind of a woman in a man's world in regards to kind of the knife making and the and the leather the leather work, uh, it, it makes it even even more amazing uh, of, of what she's accomplished and what she's done 
and the respect that she's gained. I I know it can be kind of a challenge as a as a kid getting out from underneath the shadow of a of a of a father who's great like her her dad is. And Francesca's made her own name, made her own way, and gained her own respect, which is really really cool. Um, and instead of being just a daughter of a knife maker, she's now more of a peer of a, of a great knife maker and her father. So it's really cool what she's accomplished. Uh, Zach's kind of behind the scenes. He's not on this, on this episode. Uh, Zach's not real into the Instagram and doing all that stuff. You're mostly going to see Francesca. She's kind of the face of the company. Um, but she's together. That team is, is amazing. So super excited to have you guys listen to it. There's some comedy. There's some pretty funny things in it. Uh, we had a good time. Hope you guys enjoy it. Francesca, how you doing? Good. That was a good song. Yeah, were you rocking out in your car? I was a little bit. That was a pretty good song. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing good. How are you, Josh? Good. You're uh, Francesca sitting in her podcast studio slash Corvette. What kind of car do you drive? Oh, that's the wrong question to ask. It's not uh, a Corvette. A Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> no, I drive a Subaru Outback. Oh, family car. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a little bit hanging on to my freedoms and still a mom, but there you, you go. Know, do what I can. Those get around good in the snow. Yeah, they do. So it's funny cause, uh, I don't know if, I think Jeff Fader has an actual, I think he set himself an actual podcasting little setup up now, but I know on that knife talk podcast for the longest time he did his in his car cause the acoustics are good and you don't get bothered by family, children, namely mostly children. So. Yeah, no, this is like a little box of sanity, so, you know, I cling to it. Do you sit out there often? <laughs> just go out? Yeah. Just to get away? Probably too often. <laughs> yeah. So, let's talk about uh, important stuff, first of all, which is the fact that you sent my wife and I shirts maybe, what, a week or two ago? And my right, wife yeah. just discovered them in my shop under some stuff. She was not very pleased with me last night. I have to say, she texted me and she was pretty upset. <laughs> She was not happy with me. She's like, what the hell? She's like, when did she send these? And I was like, I don't know. Like when she sent the, not the last knife back, but the one before that. Oh my God. You know what? You know she's really like, she's going to hate me. She's going to think that I got it and didn't say anything. The like, worst part is that just means you haven't worn yours yet. I am so offended. It's true. I haven't yet. Uh, I know. I'm I'm wearing it right now. Actually, I'm don't, not. Don't lie to me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know better. <laughs> I'll wear it. I promise. I like it. It's cool. So, let's talk. First of all, you. Uh, um, I should say. I mean, I'm going to do a little introduction before this, so that's already probably played. People have already heard it, but. Um, okay. About who you are, what you do, but you do leather work, right? So, let's talk yeah. about. Um, Let's talk actually, let's just go back to the beginning and kind of how you got, like how your path came to making cheese and wallets and all the stuff you're doing now. So 
uh, where, where, where did you grow up? So I grew up, I've actually lived all over the country. Um, uh, you know, from Washington, Arizona, Florida, California, Idaho. Um, but most of growing up was in California and, okay, well, uh, that's Redding. the end of the podcast. We're, thanks for joining <laughs> us, folks. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, you know what? You didn't wear my shirt. I grew up in California. We'll just call it even. That's not uh, even. That's not even at all. <laughs> no, so I we grew up in Redding, uh, and Redding is up north. It's almost by Oregon, and it's a little mountainy town. Super, super beautiful. Lots of, like, wildlife, and, you know, it's very outdoorsy area. So, you know, my dad made knives there. And as I got older, I think I was like 14, I had made my first knife. And my dad was invited to this, this gala thing, gala, whatever, in, uh, in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I made a knife and, and he's like, well, you know, bring it for sale. And if you sell it, great. And if not, then, you know, whatever. I put the knife on the table. It was my first one. I had spent hours on it so long. Every little detail, super perfectionist. And this lady walks up to the table and she's like, I have to have this knife. You made this. I have to have this. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's, sure. Great. You know? Yeah. And she's like, you know, our friends walk up. And she's like, oh, I, I, I took the jet here. I'll have to fly it back to whatever her husband's name was. And oh, like, geez. all right, I'll, I'll pay you any amount. So that was my introduction to knife making was completely unlike most people. Um, I got paid way too much for my first knife and it it definitely spoiled me, but it also kind of gave me some drive to to keep pushing and learning. And and I saw that there was potential there. Um, Right. So um, backing up a little bit, your dad wasn't just a knife maker. Um, Your dad's pretty damn good knife maker, world class. He is. Aaron Aaron Wilburn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, people should definitely uh, look up his Instagram and website. Is his Instagram's Wilburn Forge, right? Wilburn. Yeah, Wilburn Forge. Yeah. So Aaron is a master bladesmith, um, hell of a knife maker, um, and a really good teacher at hammer ins and and just an all around good guy. So I didn't want to gloss over the fact that your dad is uh, definitely <laughs> world world class knife maker and good guy for sure. So Yeah, no, he is. And even with just teaching me how to make knives, um, you know, he, it was never like, oh, yeah, here, let me handle this for you. You know, he was very perfectionist with how I would do my work as well. So yeah, and I don't get that that from your, I don't, I definitely don't get that from your dad. I can see your dad being like, well, figure it out or fix that. Or I could see him being the kind that puts it on you to, you know, I mean, I'm sure he was helpful. Obviously, he was helpful, but also made you figure some things out on your own, make your own way. Yeah, for sure. And I think, honestly, that's the best way to learn. If someone's doing something for you, you're not going to go very far. you got to figure it out. Um, yeah. So, no, it helps that he, he definitely is one of the best makers. I mean, maybe I'm a little biased, but one of the best makers in the world. Um, from at least my opinion, I think he's got a great a great artistic eye and, and design and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of how I had started with making knives and I had sold several and this collector of mine, he had bought a few knives and he, he kept buying more. And that was like the first 
most reassuring thing when somebody came back for more, you know? And, were, you, uh, were you making like, uh, like buoys or hunters or folding knives? What were you making at that time? I was making little fixies. So, so hunting knives uh, mostly. Yeah. And, you know, something very usable, but I still wanted it to have kind of my style or flair. And so that's, for the most part, that's what I had made. Um, and, you know, my dad, his whole thing was, if you're going to make a knife, you better know how to make a sheath. And it better be a good sheath. So he makes kind of the classic traditional Paul Long style um, mm-hmm. for his sheaths. And he does a great job at them. And so that's when I had made my knives, he was like, well, you have to make the traditional Paul Long sheath. You got to learn how. So, <clears throat> you know, I made a couple of sheaths. And I don't know, I wasn't like super into that style, but I enjoyed making them. Mm-hmm. And that very same collector that had bought several of my knives, he he got the knives, he got the sheaths, and he also bought from my dad. Well, one day he texted me and he's like, all right, I want you to make an ornate sheath for this big buoy that I got from your dad. And at the time I was like, what? You know, I, I don't make sheaths. I don't know what you're even talking about. I don't know why he asked me. I still don't know. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I hadn't really proven that I could make a sheath that was extraordinary at all. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm not one to shy away from a challenge. So yeah. I said yes. And, and I ruined that sheath about four times before yeah. <laughs> before I was finally satisfied with it. Uh, but it was really cool. It kind of opened my eyes to this whole world of leatherworking that I never was interested in before. And I have to say that was super life-changing. That's a, that's one thing about knife collectors um, that a lot of people don't know. I don't even know if sometimes the collectors themselves know or not, but a, a good knife collector now and then will push someone that they see some ability in. They'll push them maybe mm-hmm. beyond, like they can see this person's up and coming, whether it's a knife making or leather work or, or whatever, making bronze statues, it doesn't matter. Um, they they can see some ability or some 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 talent and, and they have the, maybe the, the money to kind of help push that craftsman along and outside their comfort zone. And I know... That's definitely happened to me with several people over the over the years of like, oh, your stuff is, you know, between five hundred and a thousand dollars. I want you to make me a two thousand dollar knife. Or yeah. I want you to make me a five thousand dollar knife. Like push yourself, do something you've never done. And that kind of work or that that kind of uh confidence that someone can have in you and and um you know, and, and that that kind of a challenge. Um, I mean, can maybe break some people, but I think for the most part, it definitely, like you say, you screw up a bunch along the way and you probably end up actually making less money than you were making on just the stuff you know how to do. But in the end, when you're, when you're all done, your, your ability level is raised so much that now your whole game has been raised in, in just that month that you were working on that one project. And now you're a whole new maker, which is super cool. It is. Um, and I know there's others that have said this as well, but you know, it's kind of like you're, you're paying for your education through trial and error and I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I think like you said, sometimes 
these collectors, I, I hope that they realize the gravity their words hold. Um, because, and that's for better or worse, you know, you get these guys that really, they want to, they want to push a maker forward and man, that goes so far. That yeah. goes so far. I've had, I've had several and they seem to come in batches. Like I'll get one and then, you know, they buy a ton of stuff and they push me and they push me and then the next one comes and then they're ready to push me further. And right. without that, I, this wouldn't work. Right. That's instrumental. For sure. Do your, does that, does that original collectors, he still buy stuff from you? Is he still around? He is. Yeah. He still buys stuff. Um, every couple months he'll write me and be like, Hey, I saw this and that. And you know, does he, oh, he's you, got all kinds of does stuff. he kind of know if you told him like, Hey, you're kind of the reason I did what I did. Like, does he know that? I have, I've told him, but I don't know still if he quite grasps how much that means to me. Then he'd probably, um, then he'd probably want. Him. Then he'd probably want free sheets from you. You better not tell him. <laughs> Keep the secret. <laughs> you'd want to cut, cut your that business. part out. Yeah. No, that's super cool. So, did you? Now, are you still? Were you still in high school at that point when you made that sheath? How old were you when you did that? So I finished high school when I was the month that I turned sixteen. Um, and so. I had been making knives How for a couple years. How did you finish high school then. that early? Finish or quit? I <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both, actually. Um, yeah. So there's something that you can take uh, in, in California, at least. It's called a proficiency, and it's not. It's basically like if you can graduate at college level, then you can get out of high school with your full high school diploma. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I did that because by the time I was fourteen. 15, I was making more than my teacher hourly and uh, I was like well shoot I like to make things I'm not gonna I don't want to do college I right. mean, this is what I'm doing you know so um, that kind of set my path I just I decided I knew what I wanted to do um, and and by the time I made that sheath I think I was kind of say 19 sure maybe 20 I think it was 19. So did you had you, I mean, you had graduated at 16. Had you kind of been making knives full time at that point or did you have a regular day job or what were you doing? So I had another job. Um, when I was, I want to say 11 or 12, my dad had this website designer come over to the house to work on his website. And I'm watching this guy. And I'm like, uh, getting antsy and antsy. And I'm, I'm just watching him do a terrible job. So he leaves and, you know, my dad is paying him like 35 bucks an hour, 40 bucks an hour. And I was like, dad, I can build you a better website than that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I was a kid. So my parents were like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. So I built a website and it wasn't live or anything. And I said, okay, well, look at this and look at the one he built you. And my immediately my dad called him and said, oh, you're fired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so from there, I started I started website design and marketing. Uh, and I would go out and thankfully I looked older than I was. So I was able to bid jobs and that's kind of what I did on a regular basis to keep money coming in. And then I made knives because I enjoyed it and yeah. it was good money, but I, I enjoyed it. That was what drove me to, to making knives. And I kept doing website design and marketing up until um, just a few years ago. Oh, wow. That's cool. 
Um, you do look a lot older now than you, you know, than you really are too. I was just going to say. Okay. <laughs> Rude. Rude. Uh, well, and that's, and that's, I mean, it's super cool. Cause I mean, it's somewhat similar in my story about like, um, you know, just being young, being a young kid and then kind of involved in that adult world. And, um, and I think adults really do think it's cool and appreciate, you know, young kids that are out there actually like kind of getting after it, you know, and, and you obviously were also, you're not just a kid and people aren't giving you, I mean, people aren't going to have you build their website just cause you're a kid and it's cute. I mean, the, the work has to be good. So clearly you, you were pretty good at what you were doing and you, you obviously knew what you were doing and same with your sheets and your knives. I mean, um, you know, people aren't going to have you make a sheath for their knife if you're doing a terrible job. And it's, it's pretty cool that you at such a young age, you know, pushed yourself. And I mean, you have to definitely give your parents credit for, for raising a kid that's that way. But I think also it's somewhat just natural. Like you you can have parents push or kind of force a kid to go out and like, Hey, you're going to come out in the shop with me and do this. Well, that's not going to last very long if, if it's not, within yourself, within the kid to actually do it, you know, and that's where obviously it was fully within you and you were just self-driven. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really, that's a really cool thing that you, you were that driven at that young of an age. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that because I don't think up until recently I've realized, um, that that kind of driven spirit, um, is, unique because to me I can't I can't imagine any other yeah it's just what you I know. can't imagine it yeah. yeah yeah and and so no my parents definitely I think they saw um that I had to be busy like I don't know they put me in different classes and different things and all the time I think that they kind of knew that I had to do something extra to keep me busy and that was awesome um, if I wasn't in some class to learn something new, I was out, you know, the back 40 on my horse with a yeah. bow and arrow, like yeah. definitely always busy. Sure. So with the sheath making, um, obviously that started progressing. Did, did the not, did you continue doing the knives or, or you know, when you're in your say 19, tw- now you're getting into your twenties, um, or did the sheath making kind of take over? Um, wh- <laughs> where did that go? You know, it was good timing. I was making knives, and I, I love making knives. I got to say, making knives to me is uh, it's very fulfilling, very satisfying. But I got married at 18, um, and I had I'd started getting more into sheath making, 19, 20. Well, I got pregnant at 20, <laughs> and it was good timing because I was really starting to get into leatherworking, but... Um, being pregnant, I didn't really want to be out in the knife shop, you know, different exotic woods can put off some bad stuff and the different resins and all that. So yeah, I basically, at that point I had thought, well, I'll get back into knife making, but sheath work and leather work took over so rapidly that I haven't even looked back. I haven't been able to make knives since I've got sure. a couple of blanks uh, blades that I had forged out and they are ready for handles sitting in my car and I don't even have time to finish them. Yeah. Yeah. So ever since I made the switch, it's been, that's it. I, I don't, 
you know, sure. there's been no looking back. Even though I, I do like blade smithing quite a bit, but I don't have yeah. the time. Right, right. No, that's super cool. And maybe maybe down the road as you get your business to a point where you decide you can you wanna want a little break or something to change it up, change up the pace a little bit, you'll go back and make a knife or two or something. But uh yeah. so where did you go from there? So you got married, you got pregnant. Again, you're doing everything about ten or fifteen years ahead of your time. <laughs> What, Evidently so. <laughs> did you date your husband all through high school or did you just meet him on Saturday and marry him Sunday or what? <laughs> well, uh, no, we were friends. We grew up in the same town and we kind of had like mutual friends. Sure. And when we were, I don't know, 15, I think 14 and up, we knew each other. Yeah. And then when I was 17, uh, he was 19. We started dating. Sure. And by that point, like we had been best friends for a couple of years. Well, probably like a good year. Yeah. So we dated for a year and got married and it was kind of like, yeah, this makes sense. Like, yeah. We're, we're friends. That's, you know, that's what you need in a marriage mate. And yeah. Same, same morals, same values. And so what here did, we are seven wh- years later. What did he, um, what was he doing after high school? What was his occupation? So he was a general contractor. Um, since he's a, he was a young teenager, he would go do contract work with his dad. And then, you know, straight into his 20s, he was doing contracting work, um, solar installation, a lot of commercial and residential electrical. So he was actually, <laughs> he was actually making pretty good money. I mean, installing solar in California, that's yeah. a that's a good paycheck. Um, but you know, we kind of lived simply and by the seat of our pants and we would just take off. I mean, even in our early marriage, we had gone to Ecuador and Mexico. Um, we, it was definitely our goal to like travel and stuff. But when the leather working took off, he's pretty cool. Cause I told him like, Hey, I'm kind of crazy and I really want to do leather work and I want you to do it too. And he was like, <laughs> okay, that sounds good. And then that's it. And then he just started with me. Really? Yeah. That's cool. No, it was, it was great. So um, at this point, from, you know, being a solar tech and, and electrician, we kind of just made the leap. We moved to Idaho in April. And um, April of 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been just full-time leather work for both of us ever since. So you kind of trained him up and now what what part of the leather work stuff is he doing so he mainly focuses on i would say his biggest thing is is uh wallets mm-hmm. you know alligator wallets stingray all the good stuff beaver tail mm-hmm. he can make a stunning wallet i mean his skills as far as making in his wheelhouse he definitely surpasses the skills that i have for those products um you know, he mainly makes wallets and belts and he's done briefcases. Um, we always do custom stuff. Like we never make the same thing all the time. It's always something custom. So sure. it's cool that he's kind of stepped up to the plate and been able to just adjust and make really cool stuff whenever he needs to. Does he have and, to and approve, does he have to approve time off through you? Do you ever? Th- yeah, do you th- and I'm a slave driver. Do you threaten to fire him? Do you yell at him? And- <laughs> oh 
all the time. Does he beg for pay raises? <laughs> no, he's, no uh, it's good. His work is absolutely incredible. I have one of his wallets. Um, Jess, Jess bought for Christmas last just this last year from from you guys for me and uh it's a beaver tail wallet it things it's absolutely gorgeous it's amazing it's really cool um but the work that he does is super cool and um it was cool meeting him because i had met you last year i guess at rick dunkerley's hammering right was yeah. that or two years ago that was two years was it two years ago i think it was last year feels last longer year. was it the covid year it was covid year yeah um but I had met you there with your dad and your brother, but, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't met, um, Zach yet. So, um, we met down in big sky and that was, that was cool to meet him. And, um, like you say, it's, it's, and it's, it's kind of cool what you guys have going because he's doing, he's doing his side of it. And then obviously you're, it's, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you're pretty much buried in your, in your sheath work most of the time. Now, are you, are you working on other custom stuff as well, or do you just do sheaths? I do a ton of custom work. Mm -hmm. And that is why I've actually brought on an apprentice because my stuff, you know, Zach is so busy that I can't really say, Hey, I need help with my stuff. It's gotten to the point where he is, he's got a full, he could work every single day for, you know, three weeks and not be caught up if he worked every single day, like full sunrise to sunset. And that's a good problem to have, but it left me kind of in a lurch because I have not just sheath work, but now I'm doing holsters. Um, you know, I do like, we just came out with a line of rifle slings, uh, for a rifle company back in Jersey. We make pretty much, if you can think of it, I will design it and make it. Sure. Why don't and, I why don't I have one of those rifle slings? You sent me a shirt. How come there wasn't a sling? Well, in I don't know. Why don't you? Actually, you should take this first one I made and prototype it for me. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um yeah. No, you so I haven't seen your rifle slings. That that'd be that'd be super cool to see that. Um We just finished the first one a couple weeks ago and it's I got to say it's really sick cuz okay, you know when you wear a rifle sling, right? And it's, you're going up the mountain and you're like trying to be quiet and it slides right. down your shoulder right. and you hike it back up and then it slides down again. And then you have to like, you know, yes, crawl up something to see over the edge and, and your flipping rifle is digging into your shoulder. Yeah. That's the worst. So I kind of took my time and designed something that it's, it's got like a, it's like a dense foam saddle pad. Uh, inside it and it's got a non-slip underside i'm really excited about those that's super cool no that's that's a that sounds like a fantastic idea you may have actually ruined my next invention because i had an idea for correcting that exact problem of your rifle sliding off your shoulder so Uh um well i beat you to the punch yeah i'm used to that so uh with what what i wanted to tell people too is like when I first saw you teach, it was pretty cool because you were at Rick Dunkerley's Hammer Inn and your dad actually taught, um, he taught leather work before you, like, and I, I can't really remember, I don't know, what would you call it? Would you call it more like basic sheath design or something like that, what he taught or, or like Yeah, like an introduction sheath, to sheath making. Yeah, sheath construction. 
uh-huh. then uh, once you could get your dad off the stage, <laughs> then <laughs> then you got to teach, and you taught more about the exotic leathers and like how you dye them and what you do with them and selecting leathers and and different things, and and you brought a whole box full of all kinds of crazy leathers and uh, exotic leathers. And I was blown away at how you can manipulate like that's, that's what I don't think people really understand. I think they just think the leather comes the way they see it. Um, But the way you manipulate the leather with the way you dye it, I don't know if, I don't know if there's anybody in the country that's doing, doing what you're doing to that extent. I mean, you can literally like the sheets that I've had you make for me, you're like, once you get the knife, then you basically match whatever I send you. It's pretty incredible. Talk about that process and how you do that. Yeah. So part of why I love leatherworking so much is I get bored very easily. But with leatherworking and especially sheath making, like you said, you send me a knife. I'm not going to make my sheath for that knife. I am going to turn that knife and make an extension of it through the sheath. I want it to be a set together. And so, you know, I think sometimes people don't realize that it does take me a little longer um, to to make a sheath. And when I say longer, I mean like two weeks. Yeah. Um, total. But I take a knife and I want the sheath to look like the knife and the sheath were made together. Same time. I want them to look like they go as a set. Sure. And so, yeah, a big part of that for me is custom dyeing. I'll take and I want, you know, like I get, there's always the classics. You can always get brown leather, whether it's moose or bison or cow or horse or, you know, whatever. But people don't realize that adjusting the tint of something, mm-hmm. you know, taking it a shade darker or a shade lighter or adding just a little tint of red or whatever it is, you can completely change the entire look of an object. Yeah. Um, and to me, that is so thrilling and satisfying. Like, I love turning leather from something that's kind of just plain and ugly. Not always, but a lot of times. Um, into a set. I want it to be a set. And that, yeah, that's a huge motivator for me is, is dyeing and all that. And Well, and not, only the, not only the dyeing process, but then also... Um, just the different styles that you make. I know you're always asking me, do you want cross draw or do you want, I, I don't even know what the hell, all the different kinds. Like you have all these different options and how does how does the guy want to carry it? And I'm like, holy shit, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> make me a sheet. So a lot of times I leave it in your court. But um, it, you know, I remember you had, your dad had a gorgeous dagger that he had made, um, killer dagger at that hammer in. And you'd made a sheath that actually had what, what do you call that? Like the little leather that it's the sheath actually slipped into that it was. Yeah. Held in. So the classic style, the original style for that would be a frog. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, you see the frog and, and the sheath, typically a buoy would slip into the frog and there'd be a big button stud and it would kind of hold it in place. Um, I have nothing against those. However, I hate them. So (laughs) I wanted to accomplish that, but I didn't want it to look so ugly. So I made a friction frog. And the friction frog is designed in a way that the entirety of the sheath, kind of the art piece, can slip inside the friction frog and hold it securely enough 
that you can still use the knife and the sheath as a solid set. Um, but the friction frog doesn't have the big ugly button stud. It's just one flowing piece that kind of goes with the sheath, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I, I think, I don't want to say invented because that sounds, I don't know, but I think I came up with the friction frog idea. I haven't seen it elsewhere. Um, I don't follow leather workers though. Cause I don't know. I guess. Well, I, and I'm actually kind of similar in some, I mean, I have knife making friends I follow, but like with my production company, I actually don't follow any of the other production companies necessarily. Cause I like, I like to just do kind of my thing. I don't necessarily want to be influenced by their stuff. And maybe it's similar with you just, mm-hmm. you know, naturally I, w- I would think you probably, I mean, I'm sure you see plenty of sheaths, whether you're at knife shows or whatever, but I'm sure you kind of know what's out there, but, um, yeah, I feel the same way because it's going to influence you whether you know it or not. So, yeah, yeah. I don't really follow leather workers. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I was really impressed with that sheath and, and, um, you know, there's, there's so much into like the selection of, of leather, you know, that I've never, I've never built sheaths and, and honestly, after watching you talk about it, if, if you're going to do it at a really high level, which if I was going to make a sheath for my knife, I would want it to be that way. It's not just the, the making of the sheath, but like where you select the leather from, what part of the alligator tail or what part of the elephant you're using or, you know, um, what direction is the grain? This dies, that doesn't die. Like there's so much knowledge that you have that I think it's easy for people to just be like, oh yeah, she's a good sheath maker. Um, I make sheaths too. I make my own sheaths. Well, yeah, I mean, and there, and there are, there's a lot of knife makers out there that do really nice, uh, do a really nice job with their own, you know, custom made self-made sheaths. But, um, Uh what you don't see a lot of, I think is the, is the way that you change it and dye it. And then some of the exotic leathers, like what you do on one sheath might work great with this leather and the next leather, I'm sure it probably just falls apart. Is that, is that true or? <clears throat> that is very true. And I think, you know, there's a lot of leather workers and, and sheath makers that shy away from exotics. And I understand why. I completely understand why. Because, for instance, I work with beaver tail a lot or stingray, right? Well, beaver yeah. tail has a really high keratin content. So, for instance, um, I will, let's say I'm working with alligator. I polish my edges. I paint them. I may put them in my, I have a little curing oven. I'll put them in there. I'll seal my edges. Well, I guess what? if I put in a beaver tail, it melts. So there's melts? things like that. It melts. It actually will melt. Yes. Really? Beaver tail cannot take, I mean, obviously it can take heat, like, you know, outside temperature, but <clears throat> when it comes to, uh, direct heat above natural temperatures, yeah, it will melt. And those are the little things that you don't know until you've screwed up an extremely expensive project and you have to restart. Yeah. And thankfully, like I said before, I'm a perfectionist, so I, I will dial in every little detail um, to make sure that I don't have those kind of things happen. Right. At this point, I have a drawer full of, I call them my, my uh, lessons, you know, yeah. <laughs> that 
things yeah. that have gone wrong and now I know and it'll never happen again. But yeah, there's all kinds of stuff where like when you're punching your holes for Stingray. Stingray was used as an armor at one point. It's extremely durable and tough and it will, I've had it break metal punches. Really? <laughs> yeah. So stuff like that, I think it's a certain, if someone wants to get into those high end goods, you have to have a certain stick-to-itiveness and, and you got to work with the materials. Every material is super different. And I love to mix materials too. Like this last, I did a really nice sheath uh, for a buoy my dad had done. And I did American alligator for a friction frog. Um, and I hand dyed it to, to match the mammoth ivory. You know, it's got that, like the greens and the, the yellows and it's got the creams. And then for the rest of the sheath, I did elephant ear with a mammoth ivory inlay. So mixing materials to me is really cool because you get all the different textures and colors and feels and yeah. Well, and you just did a kind of a Montana themed sheath with, for me and it was, uh, was it bison, uh, beaver? What was the other moose? Yeah. Moose. Moose, Um, which is super cool. Um, and it's cool. Like mixing all those animals kind of from one region. It's pretty neat. Um, do you trap your own beavers? Ah, uh, I want to. I just texted your wife this That's morning. That's what she, I was she like, told me that. She posted a uh, video like of a tree that a beaver had dropped in the river and you I think she posted on Instagram and then she said that you you texted her and was like we need to we need to trap that thing and make what'd you say make some goodies or something out of it? Heck yeah. Uh, but, of course. Yeah, I think it would, I think you'd be, I think you're a bit of a fraud. Uh, what? Yeah, being that you don't harvest all your own animals, like the elephants. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. And the crocodiles. Or wait, it's not crocodile, it's alligator, right? Mostly alligator. Speaking of alligator, let's talk about alligator vaginas for a second. <laughs> hey, it's a cloaca, okay? I would like you to use the proper terminology. I can't ever, I can't ever, I, I always want to say cloaca, cloaca. So cloaca. for people that don't know what I'm talking about, Francesca made a sheath for me, really nice sheath. Uh, that was all, was that a full, was that all alligator sheath? Are you talking was. about the one for the white? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that was that alligator. Was, but then, no, 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 no. The frog was gator, and then the bottom part was elephant. Um, no, I'm talking about the one for uh, the guy I can't say his name. Celebrity guy. Oh, oh, that one. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so yes, that was all American alligator that I dyed to match the handle. And... Uh, would you like me to say what I did to the top of it? Yes. <laughs> so I had Josh send me a little piece. I had you send me, Josh, God, third person. Um, I had you send me a little piece of mammoth ivory from, did you send it or did I have that? No, oh, I, I had think a little I piece sent of it. Ivory. No, you, did you send it? No, you put it in there. I sent you ivory for oh. some, for the, uh, the other sheath. Okay. Okay. Sorry. A couple of old farts here trying to remember things all right so i had that piece of ivory there's a piece of ivory that kind of matched the handle that you had put on it that's right so i put (laughs) i shaped it and i stuck it along the spine of the sheath and then 
the piece of alligator that I selected was actually the cloaca. Now, for those of you don't, that don't know what that is, uh, cloaca on reptiles and birds, they have their vaginas and their butts out of the same hole. So you had a little butt gina hole over your <laughs> mammoth. <Yeah. laughs> and the, the mammoth was sticking through. It just felt so right. It was just the perfect setting. Yeah, it was uh, uh yeah. it was incredible. It was awesome. And the way like the way you did it and the way it all like worked out, uh yeah, it was pretty incredible. Um I'll I'll post a, I'll post a you. picture on my Instagram when I post this podcast. I'll post an Instagram. Cool. So if people when if if they put up with us to this point in the podcast, put up with you. Sure. I mean, I'm pretty easy to listen to. But oh, yeah, right. If they put up with this and they get to here, then they can go to my Instagram and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have that picture up on my Instagram. Um, kind of talking about this podcast. That was, a, podcast. Sweet set. That was know. such a cool set. I, I totally know. forgot about that. That's the first one I did for you, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That knife was sick. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I don't know. That's, that's just some of the stuff, uh, I, not that you necessarily do those on every sheath, but uh, <laughs> I mean that's just some of the stuff that you can do, and that and that's what's cool. Like the one dagger, I think the other one you were talking about that that I sent you, I sent Francesca a pretty decent size piece of fossil mammoth ivory, and mm-hmm. you uh, like shaped it all and kind of kind of like oh made kind of this V with these tips that came up that like matched the the shape of the sheath and whatnot and mounted that to the outside of the sheath to kind of tie in with the handle. Um, mm-hmm. I'll see if I can find a picture of that and post that on my Instagram as well with, with that other knife. But um, yeah, so pretty much from here on, I have some of my, some obviously a lot of my older sheaths from stuff I'd done before. Most of that, like the more exotic sheaths and whatnot were made by Paul Long back in the day, back when you were like mm-hmm. six um, Sounds or, about right. or two. I'm a lot, I'm a lot older than Francesca, even though she looks old. Um, <laughs> wow. That was a double hitter. Yeah. But no, I, it's funny. Cause how old are you? Are you still? 26. Yeah. It's still in her twenties. It's ridiculous. Oh, well, whatever. You just turned 40. It's not, I mean, it's kind of Yeah, old. but I look 60. Um, well. you know, but no, it's, uh, the, the talent level that you have at, 26 years old and then not not just the talent but like the the business sense and what you've got going with your husband with Zach I mean it's pretty incredible um what you've what you guys have built together um and what you've personally done um I mean at, at just at 26 like you're just getting going so um so now you just kind of did a rebranding um uh, renamed your business for a long time people might have recognized you and may, and maybe some of the people that are listening to still think of you as like Wilburn Forge leather. That was your Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Francesca's business is growing and you guys kind of have multiple things you're doing now with like the custom stuff. And then you have more of, I hate to say, I hate to call what Zach's doing like the production side. Cause it's still like hand built. It's not like, these wallets are being shipped in from China, but, but still you guys kind of have your other side of your stuff that you're doing that, that, that Zach's doing. And so, uh, 
tell everybody what you just renamed your business. Oh boy. So we just renamed our business Teton Leather Company and we live in Idaho Falls. So we're pretty close to the Tetons and we're very outdoors oriented. Um, so we're there a lot and it just, it was like the perfect fit. Yeah. And I mean, I just drove through, um, we just drove through your town last summer and then we went down to Jackson hole and all that stuff. Um, right Mm -hmm. through, I mean like literally right, right along those, those mountains that you have on your, on your logo and, and into Jackson. And, um, I've seen your pictures you guys put up, whether you guys are hunting or hiking or whatever. And I mean, that, that whole Idaho front right along that front is pretty incredible because it's all hay meadows and grain and everything they're growing. And then those mountains just kind of blast up out of the earth. It's pretty cool. They do. And it's, it's actually, you know, we thought a lot about what to change the new name to, but it's kind of perfect. I, I think for Zach and I, both one of our favorite mutual favorite materials is beaver tail. And alongside that is bison. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't think there's been a time we've gone over to that area without seeing either, you know, sometimes both um, beavers and bison. So it's really cool to have kind of a local, like, this is where we live. It's part of who we are, you know? Right. So it, it fit perfect. It was just what we needed. Yeah, for sure. Um, now I always think about that country. Like I think about the, the trappers that discovered, not that they necessarily discovered. I mean, there were Indians there. Obviously that area was Mm -hmm. discovered by humans a lot, 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 way earlier than trappers found it. But still you think about (laughs) that time frame of those trappers going through there and, and whether it's John Coulter riding up on Yellowstone park and being the kind of the first white man to find Yellowstone. Um, Mm -hmm. And then all the way down into that Teton Valley and Jackson Hole, um, and then all the trapping. And I, I just can imagine like where you're at and over into those mountains, what that all looked like before people there. And it's it's still stunning today, even with towns spread out along it. But um, it's crazy because if you go hiking through all of that, obviously you can't. You know, not like we're going hunting in the national parks, but even just hiking through. You should. It's good hunting. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, I, I did something for sure first day. It's where I get uh, all my. Uh, yeah, that's where I get my ivory. Oh, uh huh. <laughs> God. Um, no, but it's it's incredible. I can't imagine being the first like you said, the first like white person basically to come through there because here they stumbled into like the bison. Granted they were nearly decimated, but like, could you imagine here there are these giant grizzly bears and bison and, you know, mountain lions and all these kind of terrifying creatures that now you just have a sidearm and it's like, well, if worst comes to worst, you're covered. But man, I know they had guns, but still, that's so scary. Whew. Yeah, you had a flintlock with one shot. And prob- <laughs> yeah. And your powder was probably wet. So <laughs> You better make it count. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about your name just a little bit more. You know, oh, I, you know I had to do it. I, I, I knew you were going to. I'm, I'm surprised you waited this long. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, Francesca was the last person on earth to realize... 
what uh maybe not the last i mean i don't there's probably some some kids in school that don't know um oh my gosh <laughs> i have to give francesca shit because my wife actually says you and i are more like brother and sister the way we go back and forth with each other yeah i'd agree with that um kind of want to punch you right now so you know yeah i I, it's, I understand but it's it's all in good fun um yeah so uh, the the Tetons were discovered by was it French explorer? Yes. What was his name? I don't know. Neither do I. Apparently, I don't know much about the history of the Tetons. As well, that's because you're a Californian. Out. Well, yeah, you know, I had my head in the sand. <laughs> you're a Southern Oregon. You're from Southern Oregon. You're not from. Northern I don't know California. if that's worse. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we're we're offending. We've now completely offended at least two states. Uh, oh boy! No, uh, the the Jessica was actually my wife was reading about the Tetons as we were we, when we drive and we do that stuff. We kind of like to look up history and we read it to the kids and kind of talk about like, all right, well, who discovered Zion Park or who discovered Yellowstone Park and all that stuff. And not that our kids are probably going to remember it, but we kind of like to try and give them a little bit of that like background instead of just driving through and saying, Oh, that's pretty and forgetting about it. You know, oh, now I'm wishing my parents had read a little bit as we drove through Teton park, but yeah, continue. Yeah. Well, anyway, this French Explorer, um, I don't remember the story exactly. Maybe you know it now a little better than I do, but they discovered it because those or they named it after does Teton stand for like titties or two tits or something like that. So the Grand Tetons is the full name. Yeah. And it translates from, I believe it translates exactly from the large teats. The large teats. Because the mountains yeah. there look like two large teats. They do, yes. And you know what's crazy is after you guys told me that, I looked at our business card <laughs> and I can't unsee it. And I ordered like a thousand of these stupid wooden business cards. Yeah. And on the left side, it looks like two boobs. It is. It's the, yeah. It's, too, I mean, maybe you could call it two boobs leather work. <laughs> two boobs leather work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Should I, should I throw them? Oh, God, the best part. So we named, yeah, we named the company Keyson Leather Company, right? Yeah. No idea what it meant. But we already had established that our, our slogan is art you can fondle. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go, just go all the way. And you do a lot of work with, and you do a lot of work with Beaver. Let's just go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wait, oh, Josh, does your wallet have the fuzz on it still? Or did you not get one of those? No, I am into hairless Beaver. No, oh, good. I'm no glad fuzz. we could say no exactly what on, you needed. No fuzz on my Beaver. Um, yeah. Uh, some of them keep their their hair through the tanning process, and I gotta say, the first few times we worked with it, it was kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of gross. Do you charge more for those? Are those no, like, but I'm gonna. You should. Those should be. I, I really should. You should start some on your Instagram. Like when you get one of those, those are like twice as much, and you would sell those. <laughs> I mean, really, could do a bit up. It would just turn into something that's kind of funny. I mean, you might as well have fun with it. People are going to joke. Yeah, about it. might as well. We're this far in. You should We're capitalize on leather it. company. Yeah, art you can fondle, you can and fondle. we specialize. Oh, and fuzzy yikes. beaver. 
Fuzzy Beaver. Yeah. Um, I, maybe we're just perverted and I don't know it. I don't know. Yeah. Something. <laughs> something. To think so. Something about people in Idaho, I guess. I don't know. Oh. Um, no, it's cool. And, and honestly, like, think about the amount of people that go to Jackson Hole and Teton, Grand Teton National Park. Most people probably don't take the time to actually read the history. So most people probably don't know. So we're probably doing a good job here of giving people a history lesson. And let's face it, the French, I mean, those French explorers had probably been a long time since they'd been around some women when they found those mountains. So they were longing, That's true. They were longing for some female companionship. They were seeing it everywhere. I got to say, though, once you see it, once you know the name, you can't not see it well and honestly when we were when we read that and then you look at the mountains i mean not just your business card but (laughs) when you actually look at the mountains like you can totally see it i mean it's yeah it's obvious so you can see how they (sighs) how they named it i don't know in our woke world that'll probably get renamed that's probably not it's probably not appropriate did i heard this is totally off topic. I heard that Squaw Valley, like the ski parks, were being renamed. Do you know they're getting renamed? I don't remember. I don't know. If- I don't know. Uh, we have a we have a, a mountain here in, um, right here in Frenchtown, actually. Like, you can see it from my house. And um, it's always been Squaw Peak. And they renamed it, yeah. I don't know, something now you can't even pronounce. Because um, the... In fl- Montana? Yeah, right. I mean, like two, like five miles from my house. Um, people go hike it all the time, but it was Squaw Peak forever, and now it's um, I don't know. The Flathead Indian Reservation is just north of that. Like, right, it's actually right along oh, the border okay. of that mountain, and so they named it something after um, Chip Chip Tom. I don't know what I honestly don't even know what they read. I mean, everybody around here still calls it Squaw Peak, but um, yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of the rename and stuff going on, so. Um, is what well, it is, but once they've renamed the Tetons because they're, I don't know, whatever they are, we'll, we'll stand true to the name and then we'll keep Art Eakin Fondle just as an extra reminder. Yeah. You really hammer it home all the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you're going to go, you go the distance. You exactly. don't stop. You don't stop. Yeah. Well, did, uh, how did you first find out about that? Was it a friend of yours that said that? Cause I remember our conversation we had about it. Cause you were, you told me about, and I'll be honest, like I didn't really remember when you, when you and I were talking about the name change, I didn't really actually remember that particular story. But then when you called and you were like, Hey, did you know this? And was it a friend of yours that said that, that clued you in? Yeah, it was, uh, yes. A friend of ours showed up at our house and he was like, Oh, I love the name change. Uh, whatever. Like so, so you guys, uh, you went for the the Grand Teats, huh? And we were like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, what did you just say in my house? Like, we're not that good of friends." And he's like, "Yeah, you guys, you went for like, you know, the big teats." Like, what? Uh, I literally had no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, and every single person that I've asked since has gone, "Oh yeah, no, I knew that." Yeah, when you called, you were like, "Hey." did you know this? And I was like, yeah. And then you were just uh, like, well, thanks for telling me. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody thought to speak up. <laughs> no, I think it's awesome. I think it's going to be, yeah. um, you know, it's 
going to make your stuff memorable. So good. I'm yeah. going to lean into it at this point for sure. So what do you, what do you have going, um, kind of forward, like into the future here? What do you, do you got some big projects you work on? Anything you can talk about? Um, oh yeah. I've got some awesome projects. So excited. And I hope other people find this as exciting as I do. Cause Oh man, so excited. Uh, Laura, Zara, actually your friend, um, she sent me a bear skull. So I am currently wrapping that in leather. By the time this gets posted, it'll be done and, and probably posted. But yeah, I'm wrapping that bear skull in some exotic leathers. And uh, it's something I had an idea for, for like a long time. But, you know, I needed, I wanted it to be a cool skull. What was I going to do? Like a, a rat or something? Yeah. So that's something I'd like to start offering too is like if somebody, you know, you can go have your work taxidermied or you can have your, your mount done, but I would love if people got their skulls cleaned and then I could wrap them with, you know, whatever leather complimented it well. So that's something I'm working on right now. I think it's awesome. I can't uh, wait to see that. That's, I could see that being super, super cool. Yeah. I think I'm going to offer on our website. Um, I can get beaver skulls and I'm going to wrap them because like, you know what, if you're sitting at your desk, you should have a, a wrapped beaver skull looking at you. Why wouldn't cool you? Is that? Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, so, is there enough yeah. beaver tail leather to do? I mean, can you get enough leather out of one? Ta- I mean, those tails are pretty good size. Is there enough usable leather to do one, like one whole skull? No, 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 definitely no. not. Um, you got to. So the thing with beaver tail is, you can get them. I like to get them about 11 inches long, five inches wide, but they're not a square or rather a rectangle. They are, you know, like they're the shape of an oval. So right. you're not getting all that usable space. They're actually pretty hard to get usable space from, but mm-hmm. we make it work. You know, um, if you can make a seam look good, then it becomes part of the design. So working no, those, on that. I can um, see those skulls being super super popular that's going to be cool i'll definitely yeah i hope they are once you actually post that i'll make sure and reshare that people can see that and um i mean hopefully people will go from this and go follow follow you guys because is it teton leather company is that your instagram yeah teton leather company yeah what else you working on so i think i can talk about this um we have been selected by Griffin and Howe to be part of their 100 year anniversary rifle set. And yeah. I don't really know like how much detail I can go into, but, um, yeah. their, their rifles are unbelievable. Yeah. And they're, you know, their hunting club and all that. It was founded by Teddy Roosevelt and they make just these, everything that they, that they offer is like handcrafted, you know, down to the finest detail. And so these rifles, they just released a picture of one of them a few days ago, but they are, uh, there's nine of them being made and they're just exquisite. Like the gun stocks are fantastic. And so we're, I'm going to be making the sheaths for, um, there's, there's nine knives that are going one with each gun out of the matching gun stock material. And then I'm going to make a sheath for each of those knives. And then we're making like 
rifle slings and scope covers and all kinds of cool stuff to go with that set. So I'm really excited about that. I think that's so cool. Sure. No, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be a lot yeah, of work. It, yeah. And it's like a North American theme. You know, we're sticking with like, you know, bison and beaver tail and, and that kind of thing. Right. To kind of stay on theme. No, they're, uh, yeah, if people go check out their guns and their stuff, it's pretty incredible. Um, oh, yeah. Your stuff will be a perfect complement for that. I was going to ask you if there's like, if there's knife makers listening to this, how, how do they go about, or collectors? Um, Cause mm-hmm. I mean, even if like collectors out there that have had knives for years, if they want to upgrade their sheaths or have, have you make something, how do they go about that? How, how do they get in touch with you? How long does it take? All that good stuff. Do you need the knife? Kind of all of it. I would assume obviously you need the knife, but a lot of people don't maybe yeah. know that. No, that's a great question, actually. Thanks for bringing that up. So I just changed the way that I accept sheath orders because when I was first starting, someone would be like, hey, I have a knife, I want a sheath. And, you know, okay, send it to me. But, and this is a good thing, I've become so incredibly busy with Mm -hmm. sheath orders that if I said yes to everyone, I'd have at any given time, like 30 knives in my safe. I don't want 30 knives in my safe. That's not right i don't like that but i just changed it to where now someone can still just message me on instagram and say hey i'm interested i want a sheath done but i'm gonna for the most part direct people to um we just put together a form on our website and it's a wait list because if it takes me i have quite the wait list and i try to move through it quickly but if it takes me three not three months to get to your knife I shouldn't have someone's knife for three months. I really shouldn't. Right. I don't want it, you know, and I want them to use it. I don't want them to feel like I'm just sitting on their knife. Right. So at this point, someone will fill out this wait list form. They'll tell me kind of what budget they'd like to stay within. And then I'll select the materials according to that budget. And they give me a brief description of the knife. So when their turn, they, they automatically get on a list. When their turn comes up, I will email them and say, Hey, send send me your knife. Um, you know, your spot opens next week. Right. And that way I can get a knife back to somebody within a couple of weeks. No, that makes sense. No, I feel like that's a better way to do it. Yeah. And, um, I know like if someone places an order and then it's months before you do it, then you kind of got to talk about everything again. Um, and it's like, makes you look like you can't remember, which obviously you can't because you've done however much work in that few months after that. So you're, it's almost like you're you're better off handling it that way where you get the knife, it's all fresh, you talk about the final details, and then you make it. And Yeah, well, and like you said, like I do have to have the knife in person to make the sheath. Right. And, <laughs> you know, I enjoy so thoroughly sheath making. I just, it's, I love it. Mm-hmm. However, I don't want to stop loving it. And so for me to do my very best work, it needs to be organized in a way that I can still enjoy it and give someone the very best. Because if I have, you know, 20, 30 knives in my sheath, or excuse me, in my safe, well, by the time I get to somebody's sheath and they've texted me like eight times, right? you know, I have then I'm not really enjoying it and I'm not going to make something as well. I want to do a perfect job. So yeah, at this point, if somebody wants a sheath, 
they can always text me or message me on Instagram, but I'm going to direct them to the waitlist um, form because that's going to be the best way to get the best quality sheets. And well, and it's, we worth, doing- it's worth the wait for people. And also if you open up that safe and all you ever see is 30 and 40 knives sitting there, like you say, it's just going to be a lot of weight and stress on you. Um, mm-hmm. And I also look at it like same thing in the knife making you have to continue to progress. If all you do is make sheaths and the same sheaths you're making today for the next five years, then the next leather person's going to kind of pass you up or you're going to burn out. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I think the fact that you're pushing yourself into the rifle slings and the, the, the skull idea with wrapping and the, some of the different things you're doing, one, it makes your skills better. It, uh-huh. it pushes you. I mean, you got to figure out how to do all that stuff. And, and two, it keeps you excited and, and interested in the whole process of being a sheath maker. Cause just like being a knife maker, and I'm sure your dad has had the same times where you, you hit kind of the burnout factor. And I mean, you're not necessarily alone in your shop. You've got your husband there and, and your apprentice, but still like being, you, you have to be self-motivated and that can be hard if you start to get overwhelmed or just start feeling mm-hmm. like it's just a grind. So, well, and I think this might be part of being you know 26 I if I stop enjoying something I'm not going to do it I will not do it and I know that about myself so with that being the case I want to make sure that I continue to enjoy sheath making yeah because if you're not progressing if you're not getting better don't don't do it why are you even doing it right there's no point Right. So for me, like I have to get better all the time, which is, that is why I reached out and told you my idea about, you know, wrapping the skulls and, and getting one on my bench, because that's the kind of stuff that like, I, I can't even tell you how exciting it is to me yeah. to get to do something so custom that I've had in my head for a couple of years. Um, and just to, to do it. And I, I have, <laughs> there's a good list of things like that in my head. Um, and I'm trying to be patient and I'm trying to reach out to people to fulfill those ideas one thing at a time. But yeah, that's kind of one of the beauties about leatherworking is there's so many different avenues that I can keep myself very happy right. doing it. Well, and don't ever let people, you know, tell you, you know, I know you'll get the whole, um, well, you shouldn't be screwing around wrapping skulls with leather like my, my knife's been at your shop for a week and a half, or I've been on your order list for two months. And it's like, you, mm-hmm. you definitely have to take care of yourself first, your, your, your own mental, um, mm-hmm. you know, wellness, well-being, And, and yeah. if, if you end up hating it and end up quitting doing leather work, well then that's bad for everybody. So, um, I think people are, are willing to wait and the people who aren't willing to wait, like there's other good sheath makers out there. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's plenty of, there's other knife makers out there. There's other sheath makers. So, and there's other good ones. So, you know, people can move along, go find those if they're not willing to wait. But I think most people are, so I'm not, I'm not willing to wait. <laughs> I know you, you jumped the wait list. You and like five other, eh, like three other people jumped the wait list. I feel pretty That's special. Okay. That's a secret. I better start being nice to you. <laughs> I better start wearing your shirt. The hell, Josh? Yeah, how about when I send your wife stuff, how about you give it to her? Yeah. She's going to think I'm a jerk. You know what would have been worse, though, is if you were wearing the shirt we sent 
and you didn't give her the one we sent for her. Dang she it, I should have like, thought of that. What the heck? Yeah, then she would have she would have sent you a nasty gram. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sounds uh, bad. Well, and so people, people definitely, we can wrap this up, but people should definitely go check out your Instagram. Um, uh, you've been posting, uh, your, your kind of work in progress videos are super cool. Uh, I thought it was funny. The one you did of one of my knives, um, there every now and then there's a little miniature set of hands that shows up in the, in the, in the picture or a a kid crawling across the table, um, which is cool. It kind of reminds me of what I have going here with your kids are a little younger, but, um, you know, you got, got your little girl climbing across the table and getting into it, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, she's, she's a good motivator. I like having her in the shop because she can, she can identify more exotic leathers than most adults I've met. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, and, yeah, and, uh, no. you know, your, your, your kind of work in progress videos are neat. So people can actually kind of see the process and you put some music to them and do all that stuff. Um, don't show your face enough, but you know, Hey, that's whatever. I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on it. Um, Me and Francesca, my butter face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was giving Francesca shit about her headless videos. I'm like, you're a pretty woman. You should have your face in the videos. Not- I no. I believe the words you were, you used were, you're not a butter face. Why isn't your face in the video? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's what I said. <laughs> I, yeah. I think you exactly said you don't have resting bee face and you're not a butter face. Yeah. <laughs> or and, no, I may have resting bee face. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And I think you said that. I think you said you do. Did I? Maybe. Oh, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. And I remember my, I mean, my, wife, my wife was sitting there going, oh my God, I can't believe how you talked to her. So. I, obviously, I'm not offended yet. No, not yet. Oh, we'll get there. I'll offend you eventually. Yeah, we'll get there. But. So I should mention too. Yeah, I I know. Um, I should mention too. We've had several people inquire about production runs recently. So that is also something that we're doing now. um, And that's part of Zach's. It's becoming part of Zach's wheelhouse. We're doing production sheaths. I think we got like 45 coming up in the next couple of weeks and, and stuff like that. So, that's kind of out of left field, but I thought I'd mention that too. I should say that like those Damascus speed goats I just sold all came, all 10 of those came with your guys's little production, um, leather sheets and they were, they were really nice. Um, I actually just shipped a couple of those off yesterday and, um, they fit really nice and tight in there. I, and I think part of, I think that paracord kind of actually helps like it's grippy. Those things yeah. definitely are not yeah, gonna, like they're not going to fall out of there for sure. No, but no, that, was, that was awesome. Um, yeah, so no, uh, check out Francesca. What's your what's your website address? TetonLeatherCompany.com. Okay, and Instagram at Teton Leather Company, right? Yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah, and if you're a woman, you know, go check out her page. Her husband Zach should be a model. He's a good looking man. I'll so, keep him, you know. Yeah, pretty good guy. Puts yeah, up, he's puts cool. up with me, giving Francesca shit all the time. So, yeah. Well, thanks, Francesca. Did I miss anything, or is there anything else you wanted to cover, or um, business wise? Um, no, I don't think so. Thank you for having me on the show. It's awesome. Yeah. I, uh We always talk, so it's cool. You know, give somebody else a 
glimpse into our bass backwards conversations. Yeah, our conversations aren't much different than this usually. No, um, pretty pretty much this. Well, I think it's super cool, and I and I've I've told you before, um, in all seriousness, like you're you're quite an inspiration for. I'm always showing my my daughters, um, you know, different like women on Instagram that are doing cool stuff, whether they're athletes mm-hmm. or you know, military members or artists or whatever, doesn't matter. Uh Um, and you're definitely an inspiration to, you know, women in general, but especially young women, because you, with what you did starting out so young, um, you're kind of in a man's world with the whole knife making leather work stuff's always been typically kind of the man's world. I know there's a couple other, obviously there's some women knife makers and there's a couple other women sheath makers as well, but you're definitely the best out there doing it. So, um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, no, you're definitely an inspiration in that way. And, um, you know, I know you're not necessarily trying to be, you're just doing what you do for a living, but by doing that, you're definitely inspiring people. And some, you know, there's a lot of, I, I always say there's like a lot of like, well, for lack of a better word, there's a lot of like tits and ass on Instagram of like women, <laughs> You know, there's a lot of women out there just in bathing suits and just doing the whole Instagram, taking, taking risque pictures of themselves and posting it. So as a guy with three daughters, um, I'm always trying to find those Instagrams out there that you can show your, your daughters that like, Hey, you know, you can be beautiful. You can be a woman, you can be all that stuff, but you can also be doing really cool stuff and being productive and being inspiring and you definitely, you know, fit all that. So, so thank you. Yeah. So I, good job. I think that's, I think it's really important too. Um, and, and kind of back to the whole thing of how much weight a customer carries with just the things that they say or the opportunities that they provide and the push that they give. Um, I don't really do the whole, well, as a woman in this field, that's not really my shtick, but you know, it's, it is a factor. I have a different, you know, I'm, I'm made differently than a man and I think differently than a man. Most of the time I think. Do you identify as a woman? <laughs> I do. You know, I don't think I could get away with saying I'm a dude. Oh <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Um, no, but I just, I, I appreciate being able to provide, um, hopefully a, a good example to, young girls and you know i have a daughter my apprentice is a 16 year old girl i i think it's really important for young girls to realize that yeah okay there's the whole it's a man's world thing whatever whatever you know that's not really but just if you feel like you're being held back by something like that be better push harder right don't you can't stop you have to push Harder. If you feel like poor me, you are not going to go anywhere. Sure. So hopefully that's something that, you know, I think well, and, women that do awesome work. You know? And there might have been times in your career that you were overlooked by other knife makers because, oh, there's just a young girl. Oh, that's cute. That's Aaron's daughter, whatever. Yeah. You know? um, and I'm sure there were times it was to your advantage where people were like, Oh, that's super cool. They're, that young girl's doing that. So like that knife cuts both directions. I mean, there were times that probably helped you and at times that you were probably ignored or, or discounted. You know, when Rick asked me if I wanted to 
do that little, I don't know what you call it, demo or instruction yeah. at his hammer in. I have to say, I was super intimidated. Like, so intimidated because it wasn't a huge crowd, but there were some of, I mean, the world class master bladesmiths there, you know, like yourself and my dad and, and Shane Taylor and, and, uh, nobody <laughs> likes Shane. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bill Rupel, you know, these are yeah. like, some of the best in the world and I never really feel though like oh it's a man's industry but at that hammer in I was a little bit intimidated because yeah and pretty much any knife show you go to pretty much any hammering you go to there might be some other women in the industry involved but like definitely it's going to be heavily men um yeah naturally but I know I mean, without talking to Rick, but I know that's how he feels. Like he invited you there because of your skills and because of how good you are at what you do. And he didn't invite you because like, oh, it's cool. This woman is doing this stuff. Like, no, this person is doing badass shit, you know? And that's what's cool. Like you're being judged today on what you're doing on your work and your work is phenomenal and it's as good or better than any man's out there. And, um, and it's just a bonus like, oh, and, and it's, it's cool she's a woman doing it because I mean obviously um everyone knows that 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 path can be a little bit a little bit harder at times and maybe you're discounted a little bit like I said when you're younger or something but um I would almost guess you probably didn't see too much of that stuff really I mean the knife world's pretty pretty good but I mean even like yeah. for, for me when I was a kid I know there were definitely 99% of knife makers I ran across when I was 15 and asking so many questions were helpful and there's 1% mm-hmm. out there that's like, buzz off, kid. I'm trying to, you know, sell knives here or whatever. Yeah. You know, and... No, it's a good community. It is. It's, yeah. it's pretty unique in that way. I think even more so than the leather community, the knife community is super helpful. Sure. Sure. For sure. Yeah. So, so no, what you're... Uh, definitely the accolades and the popularity you're getting um, is obviously because of your work, you know. And um, so... No, it's super cool. So, but but Thanks, good job Josh. on that, and you know, congratulations on your success. And and I probably won't be nice to you now for at least a couple months because that's. Oh, I know. This is like all the niceness you you have for me, like stored up in a year. Like you really, you know, you laid it on, man. I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, you're good. I I enjoy it. It's a good uh, it's a good back and forth. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and I I always tell my daughters, and and uh, you know, I give my daughter shit, and it's good. It's good whether you're a kid or a woman or whatever. Like, it's good to be able to take shit and give shit back. And, uh-huh. and obviously, you know, people people like you and um, respect you when you're getting that kind of stuff. So, um, no, super cool. I appreciate it, Francesca. Um, and, yeah, everybody go check out check out her Instagram. Uh, Zach, does he have... Do you have Instagram or it just, he just does, uh, every, you guys just do kind of everything through Teton Leather Company, right? We just do everything through Teton Leather. He's not, he hates social media, so he's like not on Instagram or Facebook or any of that stuff. I yeah. mean, I think he has a Facebook, but I don't think he's been on it in like eight years. Right. So, and you guys no, can we see just everything. It on the one page. Everyone can see everything that he's doing on there as well with the wallets and belts and everything else that he's doing. And um, yeah, super cool. So. All right. Well, thanks. It's been real. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate we'll talk it. soon. Yep. <laughs> Bye.